Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of Let's Discuss. This week, we're going to talk about one of our favorite sci-fi movies from the mid-1980s, Back to the Future. Now, everyone should essentially know what Back to the Future is about, and if you don't, shame on you. Shame, shame on you. But, anywho, for those who shame on you for and don't know what it is, it's about teenager Marty McFly. He befriends this crazy, wacky guy called Doc Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, so you know he's going to be kind of an interesting character. Um, yeah, so Doc Brown creates a time machine out of a DeLorean and gets killed off by terrorists, and Marty accidentally ends up going 30 years into the past, back to 1955, where he runs into his parents and essentially causes them to not fall in love right away. So he spends a good majority of the movie trying to get his parents together, which is a bit of a problem because his mom ends up having the hots for him. So, yeah, that's essentially the plot of our story and whatnot. So, let's see, where's a good place to go with this? Uh, I feel like this movie really... I don't know, this is probably one of the first times I saw something really interesting involving time travel and stuff like that. And let alone with a kick-ass car like a DeLorean. I know, like, I've talked to enough people who are like, Oh my god, I ever get a DeLorean, I'm gonna freaking soup it up to make it look like the time machine out of Back to the Future. But let's get real, that thing would look really, really weird going down the street and everything. Um, Andy, what, what do you enjoy about the movie, really? Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess it was one of those first movies I ever watched. You know, like I I I never really seen sci-fi per se until that movie, and it was interesting. I mean, the whole concept of you know traveling back in time and uh, changing history, you know, is interesting and everything. And it also presents a lot of as you get older, you realize, well, a lot of that doesn't make sense, you know. Uh, if he went back in time and destroyed uh, his connection with his parents, he would thusly not exist and therefore couldn't go back in time and then the whole space-time continuum bullshit. So, uh, yeah. Time machine's oh. always a really touchy subject to, like, try and write, like, a plot well around. Because there's all that issue with continuity and what can we get away with, really. Because at least in this one, when, like you mentioned, if he went back and stopped his parents from falling in love and therefore he ceases to exist. Uh, throughout the movie, Marty has this picture of him, his brother, and his sister uh, that he carries around with him. And over the course of the movie, his siblings start to slowly fade out of the picture. Show, So it shows, essentially, that mix-up in the space-time continuum and stuff like that. Except it's very gradual and stuff. So pretty much before, he's basically got to get them back together before the end of the movie. But also, I guess one thing I forgot to mention in this point, he, in addition to trying to get his parents back together, he still has to go back to the future, his name, and get back to 1985 so he can you know continue his life there. But minor detail: the DeLorean, well, the flux capacitor runs on plutonium. And this is what actually gets Doc Brown killed in the beginning. He takes it, he gets it off of a bunch of, was it Libyans or something like that? I think something that's like the, that. some foreign country with petroleum. So he gets it off of that off of them. They find out about it. They kill him. 
And so, you know, Marty gets back in the past, and, you know, he needs some a nuclear reaction to create the, what is it, 1.21 gigawatts of electricity to jumpstart the flux capacitor, therefore sending him through time once the, the car hits 88 miles per hour. Yeah, I think I got all that. I think that's right. Yeah. But, yeah. And at some point... uh Doc Brown's talking to Marty, and he's like, oh, the only thing that could make 1.21 gigawatts is a bolt of lightning. And ironically enough, there's this clock tower, which in Marty's time doesn't work right now, because during the night of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, where his parents kiss for the first time, there's a great big lightning storm, which actually strikes the clock tower, and thus causes it to stop working. So they're thinking, oh, very interesting. We could take that lightning bolt and put it into the car somehow. And that way, producing the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity needed to send the DeLorean back into the future. Yay. Fascinating. But yeah, so there's that. And there's a bit of a becoming of a man story also for um, Marty's dad. Because... During, he goes back in time and whatnot, and you kind of tell before he goes back in time, his dad's kind of a wuss. Because, I mean, he works for our antagonist for the movie, his name's Biff. He's just kind of that, I don't know if you want to, if you hate that you love him, or you just love to hate him. He's kind of one of those likable bads. He's just like a big goof and a complete jackass, and I don't know, like, in the beginning... Oh, crap. oh, George McFly, Marty's dad. Uh, no, wait. Biff crashes Marty's dad's car and then chews him out for making him spill, I think it's beer or something, all over himself. And Biff just crashed the guy's car. And he has no sympathy whatsoever for the guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is all your fault. Your car had a blind spot. I didn't know it had a blind spot. This is all your fault. You didn't tell me about it. So... Yeah, Biff's just a complete douche. And then you go back in time and you meet, like, teen Biff, because Biff and Marty's mom and dad both go, essentially, to the same high school and whatnot, and Biff has the hots for Marty's mom, but, you know, she's turned off by him because he's a complete and total snob. I hear funny noises. Do you know what, the, you know what this is a, the opening for? Like oh, you know this. Listen to it. It's Knight Rider. I've never seen Knight Rider. Oh, dear God. Yeah, shame on me. Never seen Knight Rider. Hmm. But we digress. Uh, what was I talking about? You were talking about uh, Biff crashing the car and uh, blaming it all on... Uh... Oh, right. Biff. Big douche nozzle. Um, let's see. What more is there to say about Biff? Oh, I guess I kind of went off on the tangent. I was talking about Marty's dad. Um, anywho, back in time, uh, back in his teen years and stuff, uh, Marty's dad, his name's George. We'll call him George. And he's... a Big, total, freaking like, nervous wreck. He's that nerd who gets picked on. Biff makes him do his homework and everything. He is, like, your typical, stereotypical 
1980s nerd. And during the whole time, Marty's trying to give him like smooth talkings and everything and try and get him to, you know, be more confident, be a man essentially, instead of the complete pussified wuss that he is throughout the entire first part of the movie. And eventually, uh, we get to the end of the movie with the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, and Biff is in uh, a car with Marty's dad, Lorraine, and he's just trying to put the moves on her and stuff, and there was supposed to be this elaborate ruse where Marty was supposed to be making moves on his mom, which is really gross, but still trying to, you know, get them together and everything. But it's supposed to be Marty and Lorraine in the car, but it ends up being Biff. So, uh, George is like, opens the door. He's like, Hey, you get your damn hands off her. And he's expecting it to be Marty. And all of a sudden it's Biff. And he's like, go shit. So, you know, he, he tries, he gives it kind of a shot. He tries to stand up to him or whatever. Biff just grabs his fist when he tries to punch him and then twists it around his back and he's like, ah, oh, crap. So he's just laughing there. George, like, you see, like, this welling rage in him. Lays Biff out in one punch. And you're like, yay, the nerds, score one for the nerds. And, you know, Lorraine's kind of turned on by the whole thing. She lets him take her into the dance and, you know, eventually. They start dancing and stuff. Another guy actually tries cutting in on his dance. And, you know, uh, George is kind of, you know, okay, whatever. But, you know, he kind of nuts up again or whatever and pushes the guy off of Lorraine. And and he's just kind of like, you know, head back off. This is my woman. And then eventually they dance. They, they dance. They kiss for the first time. And, you know, it's kind of a big game changer. Uh, Lorraine... In the beginning, just as Marty's mom, you kind of see her. She kind of, I don't know, she lo- she looks like she hates her life a lot of the time. Like, she's just very, uh, in the beginning. But then you go back in time and you find out she's kind of this wild child or whatever. Like, she tries hitting on Marty and everything through a lot of it. And it makes for really hilariously awkward moments. It's like, oh, God, my, like, 18-year-old mom's hitting on me. Gross. But, let's see, because, yeah, she does, like, drinking, she does smoking, and Marty had no idea, so he's like, Mom, what the hell are you doing? So it's a big old freaking hypocrite right here, and, you know, she goes out of her way to try and stalk Marty at points, and uh, that's pretty much Lorraine's character as a whole, really. Um, Let's see. Anyone else I'm forgetting to talk about, really, here, Mr. Uh, not really, unless we want to... Hey. <laughs> hey, now. I'm sorry. I told... Well, I said if you were not focusing well enough, I was going to yell at you. I'd, try, I'd start with whistling and move on to yelling later. I ain't a dog, boy. I'll show you attention. Boy, do not make me... Do not, do not make me put the smack down on you. I'll take my belt across your head and lay it wide open. Well, that just sounds unpleasant. But, as you were saying... I don't know, some people enjoy it. Depends who you are. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay, that but, sounds kind of yeah. Rough, so, back to the point, though. Uh, right, focusing. The whole... Uh, Marty hitting on his... Uh, like, the whole Marty's mom chasing him. Oh, dear God, it's awkward as all heck. <laughs> Get out and go. Uh, 
But uh, they do. They continue on. You know, Marty thinks he has it fixed, fucks it up, goes back, realizes he's lost everything. Everything's in the future's changed. No, dude. What the future? Well, the big future changing. That's the second movie. Is that the second movie? I thought it was the first movie. No, the second movie's got the sports almanac and everything, and Biff becomes a oh, big yeah, millionaire. That's, that's right. the second movie. Yeah, I apologize, everyone. It's been quite a while since I watched it, so it the whole series kind of runs together for me, except for uh, the third one. Yeah, well, the third one's kind of more standalone-ish almost, but everything... The nice thing about this trilogy is that like the events of each movie happens immediately after the other. Like The whole thing just flows. Which is quite lovely, really. I mean, you get a lot of sequels, and you know, there's a couple years in between each of them, and stuff like that. But this one, no, it's like boom, 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 movie, movie, movie. She ain't really that bad, though. I like that. That's nice. I just had a brain fart. I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, okay, let's get back to on task here. Um, I do like task. So Marty, Marty uh, goes to go back to the future, but uh, doesn't have the electrical charge needed to get going. Yep. So he remembers from history or whatever that that same night lightning struck the town hall. And, and we covered this already. Oh, did we? I, I did. Ah, sorry, brain is farting. Uh, if you were here, I'd have a squirt bottle be like, that ain't no. Well, no. That pretty, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's pretty simple, cut and dry kind of story. It is really like, you know, guy goes back in time, screws up his future. He's got to make amends to, you know, get the future back on track. And, you know, he's got to get back to his own time. Although... The one thing that he ended up doing is that he did change the future. Like, the future he ends up going back to isn't the exact same future that he uh, left. Left, yeah. Like, now his dad's not a total wuss. His dad's actually, you know, kind of, I don't know, he's confident. He walks with purpose. His mom doesn't look like she hates her life. You know, she's a little more fit and... Uh, like his dad Every, always. Everybody's kinda, a little more happy. That's yeah. the best way to put it. Everybody's. Like, it seems like a normal family. Everybody's happy and it's everything's mm-hmm. going good. Yeah, and his brother doesn't work like I think in fast food or something like that anymore. He's actually got a suit on. He's got a respectable job. His sister, I believe, uh, like has dates now. I don't know. I just remember something towards the end of the movie. They're always like, "Oh, I'm not your answering machine. You know, got to keep all your boyfriends in mind or something like that." It's like, good lord, people. Yeah. And Biff, he's he's kind of the lesser guy here. I mean, he, he actually comes across as kind of nice. So he's almost like nice Biff right now. Because he's basically like outside waxing George's car for the most part. And, yeah, that he basically owns like a shot, like a waxing business and stuff at this point. And so he's yeah, kind of he- less of a douche. He's more cheery. I mean, he still has that kind of, kind of get up and go mentality. You know, he's kind of in your face, but at the same time, it's not a threatening presence. So, yeah, like everyone else is kind of happy, but I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine Biff being like that and genuinely being like that after you see him be just a complete ass throughout the entire movie. Yeah, when you when you think of the word bully. He will come to mind every time because he is the epitome of a bully. Well, totally. 
he even has his little little freaking crew with him all the time, which is hilarious. Oh, <laughs> we forgot to mention the whole uh, running gag, essentially, that we get through every oh, single one of the movies. Oh, There's yeah. always something involving a chase of some sort involving Biff and Marty. And, and Marty using some kind of skateboard slash yep. hoverboard. Yep. He actually, in the past, in this one, in the past, he uh, grabs this little girl's uh, scooter. They used to have a... Uh, it's basically like a skateboard our, with a box and handlebars on the front. And, yeah, it's basically the earlier version of our little scooters today with the two wheels and the handlebar. Except this one has the four wheels. And he takes off with it. And it's like, oh my god, thing's cool. Yeah. Marty invented the skateboard. Who knew? Yeah. But yeah, and so the running gag basically is, you know, Bish has his car or whatever. He's chasing Marty, and Marty's on a skateboard. And uh, Marty's basically caught by them. Like, he's being pushed along with the car, and he's still on the skateboard. So Marty just runs up over the car, essentially, runs in between everybody in the car, hops on the skateboard behind him, and Biff, like, Pulls about a 90-degree turn, goes, poof, splats right into the side of a manure truck. And this has become a staple thing for pretty much every Back to the Future movie. There's always some bit about Biff running into a big old pile of manure, and it falls on him. And it's still funny by the third movie, but at the same time, it's like, oh, we've done this three movies in a Yeah, it gets a little bit on the old side of things. Yeah. Oh, well. Let's see. Any other running gags? Uh, not really. I mean, Biff's the villain every, in every episode. There's always the chase. Pretty much, yeah. There's always yeah. Marty figuring out how to fix what he's fucked up. The DeLorean, up. essentially, as well. Because, like, every time there's some sort of issue. Yeah. I can't really think of anything else right off the top of my head. I say the other the other uh, movies have a lot more to them. I say the the one that really probably goes further than the rest is the third movie. Yeah, but that one is totally off kilter to what you know what most people would be thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose we still have time. We could touch base on the next two movies a little bit. I. Um, is the third third one the Wild West one, or is that... The third one's the the Wild West. The second okay. one involves the sports almanac. Okay. Yeah, let's... You go through the second, and then we'll hit the third. All right. Can I touch base uh, for the second movie? Uh, at the very end of the first movie, Doc Brown comes back in the DeLorean. He's like, Marty, I need you to come with me. Back to the future. And, you know, he actually had been, I think, 30 years or so he goes into the future which takes us to 2015, essentially, which is funny because that's only like three years down the road and we do not have uh, like 14 Jaws movies. We do not have flying cars. We do not have self-lacing Nikes. I give them props for the creativity. There's a lot of neat stuff in that one. So, you know, you get to look into what they think, you know, 30 years into the future is going to be. And it's the big, typical futuristic flying cars, awesome crap world. But reality... We are nowhere near like that. But, oh well. So, Marty goes by like a vintage sports deal or something like that, and he sees this awesome sports almanac or whatever, and he's thinking, oh, you know, 
I could take this, take it back to the past with me, bet on some games or some races, and I can make a pretty healthy living off of this stuff. And Dak's like, no, Marty, you can't do that. That'll be catastrophe, and it's going to cause all sorts of problems. So Marty's like, okay. And so he drops it in a garbage can or whatever. And Old Biff, essentially, is what he's referred to in this one, which is basically Biff that we have in 1985, just another 30 years old. So he's a pretty old man. And, I don't know. He gets the, the same idea Marty had. He actually picks the almanac out of the trash can, pops in the DeLorean, goes back to 1955, back when where Marty wa was previously, and gives his young self the almanac. And so, at this, then Biff, old Biff comes back to the future to, like, 2015, and puts the DeLorean back, and Doc and Marty have no idea that it was even taken. And so they go back to 1985, and the place is like a complete hellhole. Biff is some multi-millionaire, because he used the almanac, and they're like, oh my god, what, we, what happened here? So Doc gives like this whole spiel about an alternate timeline and stuff, and now they need to find the time where old Biff gave young Biff the Swartz almanac, and thus changing the course of history forever. So they go back again to 1955 and try and get the Swartz Almanac back from Young Biff, which is actually really interesting because you kind of see, you see the happenings, a lot of the happenings from the first movie from a different perspective and whatnot. Like, uh, let's see here. Like one that kind of sticks out to, in my mind, I guess, is uh, Marty's like kind of hiding out, waiting for Biff to do whatever. And he sees himself up on the stage singing Johnny Be Good at um, at the, the dance at the end of the first movie. And um, so, yeah, they get the almanac back. Biff goes into another thing of manure. <laughs> Second time it's happened. Um, then Marty burns the almanac and the lightning storm that ends up sending him back to the future in the first movie show, well, happens and actually strikes the DeLorean and poof, disappears. So we're like, oh no, Doc just got blown up and now he's dead. And then some guy from, I don't know, some government bit or whatever, walks up to Marty in the rain. He's like, hey, you Marty McFly? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right, I've had this letter for you for like the last, I don't know, what, 60, 80 years, something like that. I think it's 1885 is where Doc gets sent back to accidentally. Um, yeah, so Marty's like, oh my god, Doc's alive! And so he runs off to find Doc in 1955, so he runs into him right after Marty goes back to the future the first time. Time travel gets confusing! <laughs> but anywho, yeah. he's like, oh yeah, I came back from the future, and I'm back, and now I need help. And he's like, well, crap. So Doc faints, and then Marty's like, oh, God. And then that's the end of the second movie. So the third movie, uh, we find out that, yeah, Doc was back in the Old West in 1885, I believe is the date for it. Don't quote me on it. But uh, he actually left the DeLorean. Doc left the DeLorean in, like, a little cave just outside of town. And so that's where they go to get the, you know, they pick up the time machine, slap on some new tires, like, or something, and so on. Yeah. And eventually they find a way to send him back to 
uh, the Old West and whatnot. He meets up with Doc. They have, oh, big happy reunion. And then they find out that through, like, archives in, I think it's 1955, that Doc gets shot over a matter of, like, $40 or something like that by Biff's ancestor, who is basically your, still kind of your typical bully, but in this sense, he's a cowboy. Which, eh, they call him Mad Dog, I believe it is. Yeah, Mad Dog. And he's like, oh, I hate that name, Mad Dog. And, you know, he's just, ram, 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 ram. And Doc falls in love with a school teacher and stuff, who actually was supposed to go over a cliff and die. And in Marty's time, that gorge area is actually named after said woman or whatever. But Doc falls in love with her. They try and get, you know, they try to escape before Mad Dog kills uh, Doc. And, yeah, they manage to push the DeLorean up to 88 miles an hour with the help of some clever ingenuity on... Ingenuity? Is that the word I'm looking for? Ingenuity. On Doc's part. And, yeah, the train goes over a cliff. DeLorean goes through time, comes safely out on another side. And we, well, Doc and the woman Clara, who he's actually fallen in love with, end up kind of going, getting off the train on the hoverboard before uh, Marty goes back to the future. But, unfortunately, they're back in 19... Well, Marty's back in 1985. A train in 1985 comes along the railroad tracks, destroying the DeLorean, and they're like, oh no, it's destroyed. And then Doc shows up in a fancy-schmancy, steam-powered, time-traveling choo-choo train. And he's like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm perfectly happy, and we're doing okay. And somehow he popped out two kids in the time it took him to create this giant train, and so on and so forth. And gives the whole bit, you know, future is not written thing. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Did I leave out anything? I think I got it for us. No, that's that's about it. I mean, compared to the other shows we've done, mm-hmm. these are there's not really millions of characters. There's not a bunch of odds and ends to clean up. It's just mm. cut dry story. Yeah, that's the nice thing about movies. You know, you get a brief rundown of the plot, and then you know you kind of give your two cents on them and whatnot. And I think I think that's a, that's what we've been doing here. And I think we do we do another we do another pretty good job of it and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, the second movie is definitely one of probably the more well, the first one best hands down. I mean, yeah, they get a little bit worse as they go along, but they're still it's still a very solid trilogy as far as like they go really. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, second one. Still pretty good. It's it's a lot darker just because, you know, you spend a decent time in the alternate 1985 where Biff's basically king for the most part and whatnot. And you find out that Biff actually murdered Marty's father in that timeline and stuff and married Marty's dad and or married Marty's mom. That would have been really, really weird. Yeah, that would be very wrong right there. But, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The old West one, that one's the one that, the third one gets, seems to get the most ridicule. Be like, oh my god, that one's so stupid. You know, I don't think it's that bad. I enjoy it. I still enjoy Marty and Doc and 
I don't know. The whole Clara thing, I guess, is okay. Doc falls in love. Although we do get a hilarious bar scene where Doc's like, okay, I have to go back to the future tomorrow. I'm sorry, but I, I still love you. And she doesn't believe him, so they essentially kind of break up for the most part. And she just gets really pissy about it and everything. So Doc goes and sits at a bar. And he is, like, very heartbroken, very sad-looking and everything. But, so the bartender pours him a shot. And he just holds that shot. And Doc is there all night until the next morning when Marty shows up. And, you know... Doc's spouting off all this stuff about the future. He's like, oh, I could tell you about the future. And yada, yada. And, you know, everyone thinks he's freaking crazy. And Marty comes in and they're like, it's like, oh, all right, let's go. And then Doc finally takes his shot. And he passes out. I mean, Doc cannot hold his liquor to save his life. So, oh, well, I guess that's just too bad. <laughs> So Doc passes out immediately. We get a fun little scene. It's like, all right, let's make some wake-up juice. And then uh, bartender and his assistant or whatever, you know, wake him up and whatnot. Although it's funny because he wakes up, runs around screaming, sticks his head in the horse trough uh, with all the water and stuff, and then he ends up passing out again. <laughs> uh, it, it's, a, it's an interesting little bit and everything. Uh, that's probably one of my, my favorite part out of that one. Yeah. That I say that's my favorite one because the other ones are great and all, but I like the Wild West, you know, theme to it. Sure. You know, we don't get too too many of those anymore. We don't get a whole lot of Western stuff. Yeah. Anymore. But oh well. Anything well, else we yeah. need to cover here, Mister Hefty? Nope, I think that's about it. Thanks everybody for listening. We do appreciate it. Hey, if you guys get a chance. Send us an email. We're kind of running out of ideas on some stuff. Uh, we didn't want to go too much more into Bleach this episode because we feel like we uh, were hitting it hard and it was kind of getting old. So if you got some ideas, send us an email. Yeah, exactly. You know, going with uh, the promo stuff here. You know, like I said, like us on Facebook. You know, it's really easy. Co- scroll over the Let's Discuss page and like click like. Search for it. Let's discuss. It's the one with the big, happy, yellow face with a red bandana with an LD on its forehead. Pretty pretty simple to find and recognize. But, yeah, and it's got all our information on the page. There's an About Us tab in there. It's got, oh, let's see here. It's got our, it's got, like, our Twitter, our email, so on and so forth like that. So, you know. Just drop us a line and everything with topic ideas, because usually how it goes is we end up showing, getting to online about half an hour before we record, and we're like, all right, Andy, what are we going to do today? And then it's like, I don't know. And then we're just like, uh, I don't know what to do. So, oh well, yeah. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Let's Discuss NH. And send us an email at lessdiscussnh at gmail.com. All right, this has been Let's Discuss Back to the Future. We'll see you next time.